Law Enforcement Today radio show. I'm your host. My name's John J. Wiley. In addition to being a radio broadcaster, I'm a retired police sergeant. For the latest news articles and much more, check out our website, letradioshow.com. In the Law Enforcement Today show, we'll be joined by special guests. We'll be talking about their experiences and issues affecting law enforcement officers, first responders, their families, their community, and victims of horrendous crimes. Be sure to like us on Facebook. Our page is Law Enforcement Today Radio Show. Check out the daily articles on our website, letradioshow.com. And while you're there, download our free app. Be sure to look for the Law Enforcement Today Radio Show all over social media. We're on Facebook. Look for Law Enforcement Today Radio Show. On MeWe.com, look for Law Enforcement Today Radio Show. On Twitter, follow L-E-T Radio Show P-O-1. On Instagram, follow L-E-T Radio Show Podcast. On Parlor.com, search for Law Enforcement Today L-E-T. On Rumble, look for Law Enforcement Today Radio Show. And on Gab.com, search for Law Enforcement Today Radio Show. Again, our website is letradioshow.com. Hope to see you online soon. Calling us from Nashville, Tennessee, we have Louis Kihas on the phone. Now, Louis is one of these guys. He has got a world of law enforcement experience. Rather than budget, I know this. He retired from, uh, I believe it's Kansas City, Kansas Police Department, uh, former chief of police of, is uh, it High Point, North Carolina? Uh, also, yep. executives in a couple branches of the U.S. Federal Investigation, FBI, and other Homeland Security areas. How about this? Why don't you give people... Uh, a brief synopsis of your experience. Well, Jay, the way you made it sound, sound like I can't keep a job, but I'll do the best <laughs> I can to run through. <laughs> I know I started my law enforcement career with the Kansas City, Missouri Police Department. Uh, with, I had a great time there. Spent 25 years there and left and went, the, uh, went to High Point, North Carolina, was the chief there for six years, and then was honored when uh, Director Mueller uh, at the FBI brought me in as an assistant director there. I was there for six years. Then I did a little private sector stuff, and then uh, and then I received a call one day and was uh, given a presidential appointment as Assistant Secretary of uh, the U.S. Department of Homeland Security. Did that for a few years, and then worked for uh, four New Zealand companies, uh, tech companies, and before I started my own consulting company, uh, Q5 Consulting, which basically what we do is we're uh, the bridge between great technology companies and the law enforcement and the intel community. So you stay uh, active and actively involved through training and, and what you do with your own business and other companies with law enforcement across the United States. Is that a fair assessment? That's that's good. Yeah, I, spot on. I, I try to keep my thumb on the pulse of what's going on. I have lots of guests on this show. We we talk to everybody all across the United States, and uh, there's a lot of things that people just quite frankly don't understand about policing in the United States. And I quite honestly, I, I blame the media. That's where most people get their information from, and most of it's wrong. Well, you know, I, I would agree with you, but I'm going to disagree with you, too. I, I think that's one of the things that we've done wrong, Jay, is we've left it up to the media to tell our story. Exactly. We, we have police chiefs, superintendents, sheriffs, uh, command staff. That's their job, is to go out and tell the story uh, of the great men and women that are in this, what I still think is the greatest profession in the world. 
So when I, you know, and, and, and don't mean to off the bat to disagree with you, but I think we, when we leave it up to the media or the the politician, be it a city manager, a mayor, a governor, we're doing our, ourselves and our agency and our great profession a disservice. We need to be up out in front telling the great story that the men and women of this country in blue are doing every day to keep us all safe. You and I are actually in total agreement. That's the main reason the Law Enforcement Today show exists. Uh, we are on more than 40 stations across the United States broadcasting once a week to almost 22 million people, combined population, and growing. Because, And here's what I always say, Louis, that we have gone for so long where we have relied on the news media to tell our stories about what happened, and they've butchered it. They've, they've never come close to being accurate. And now it is so biased in reporting that it doesn't even resemble the truth. People say, well, I read in a paper, it must be facts. If you look, if you dissect the paper, for example, the headline is almost always done and written in a way where it's the last thing first, cop shoots man. They don't go into, until further in the article, which they know no one to read, all the decisions yeah. that the bad guy made beforehand that could have prevented this from happening. So that's just a brief synopsis. And the other thing, too, this is something I I've really object to strongly. We as police, for too long, have, when we're interviewed about doing something heroic, it's like, well, I was just doing my job, we downplay it. No, we got to start saying, I work with some real heroes. I work with some real awesome people. And we got to give as much credit to those who stand tall in a gunfight or pull people out of a burning building as we do those who do lip sync videos. No, I, I, you know, I agree. You know, there, uh, I, I teach an executive leadership course for the FBI Alita program. And one of the things that I, that I say when I start out the program, I says, I don't believe that, that, uh, that we're, our profession, the majority of us are, are racist or we're thugs or we get up, we start our shift by saying, hey, we're going to go out and violate some people's constitutional rights or deprive them of their civil liberties. But I do know that we, we're human. We do make mm-hmm. mistakes. Mm-hmm. And when, they, when we do, they're magnified. We need uh, to hold people accountable. We don't do everything right. But at the end of the day, you know, I, I don't think that when you look at the true numbers, uh, uh, not and not getting into uh, you know the numbers about who we kill and the race and all of that. Those are those those are those are numbers that people can look for themselves. But I think the numbers that we're not talking about is you know we got eight hundred thousand law law enforcement officers out there, Jay. And the number I just recently saw said that they make about seventy million contacts or a call or answer calls a year. That's not including their self initiated activity. And out of the majority of those. Very few of those rise to be a newsworthy or or have negative outcome. So we're obviously doing something right. So I'm not saying that downplaying that some of the concerns that have been raised here recently, but I'm also saying there is another side of that story that we should be out. All of us who have have the pleasure and the honor of being part of this thing called the law enforcement family should be telling. And I'm, I'll be the first to tell you. I'm I'm critical when we do things bad, and, and there's nothing. Nobody hates a, a bad cop uh, worse than a good cop. <laughs> We've heard that line. Yeah, it's true. Uh, but also, we need to to make sure that that we're out there telling that other story, and it just doesn't seem to be the right thing to do. People feel uncomfortable about it, and that's where I'm concerned when I see leaders that 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 are quick to get out and march with the protesters and 
those protesters sometimes turn into be rioters later in the evening. They kneel, they hug, they do. And I understand that. I've been a police chief. I know sometimes you, you, you get out there and you have to mix it up with, with the, the people. But I think if, if you can do that and you can find the time and energy to do that, you can also find the time and energy to get in front of a mic and say, hey, let me share some other numbers with you. Let me tell you the great story and the great things that the, your officers, your sheriff's deputies, your, your state troopers are doing and the impact they're having on the safety and uh, keeping this great community, state, and, and country safe. I don't think that story is being told enough. It's not. And there's a, there's a few departments out there that have really gotten – I hate to use the word progressive because that's a term that's thrown around and, and shoehorning in political stuff. But they've really taken the lead social media-wise. For example, the Bangor, Maine Police Department. It's not a huge city, but I'm telling you, I don't think there's anybody out there who does a better job on social media than they do. And, and it's a great way of letting the people in the community know that the law enforcement officers that work in the community are people. They're part of the community. They live there. They work there. They shop there. Their kids go to school there. Uh, and they're committed. And you are absolutely right. I'm a retired sergeant. And one of the most difficult parts of the job as a sergeant in, in my department is that, A, you have to make sure that the officers are doing the very best they can for the people and doing the job right. And secondly, balance that they're taken care of, that their needs are met, that they're not unraveling for many different reasons. We're talking with Lewis Kiosk, man, I'm telling you, Lewis has so many years' experience in law enforcement, different branches. We'll talk more about that. We'll talk about the current state of affairs of law enforcement across the United States and more. This is the Law Enforcement Show. Don't go anywhere. We'll be right back. All too often, we find ourselves getting asked, where can I find other great podcasts? Do you have any suggestions? Because of this, we decided to create our own network of podcasts here on Law Enforcement Today. You can access top podcasts about law enforcement on our website and free app. Head to letradioshow.com, click the Be Heard tab, and there you will find our network link where we will continue to add podcasts from first responders and more. Remember, that's letradioshow.com to find out more information about law enforcement today, our podcast network, and to download our free app, letradioshow.com. Back to our conversation with Lewis Kios. Lewis is retired Kansas City, Kent, Missouri police officer. There you go. Yeah, also, Kansas City Chiefs, Kansas City, Missouri. There you and go. And also <laughs> chief of police for uh, High Point, North Carolina. And he's been one of the administrators of at least two agencies in the federal government as well. And before I forget, Lewis, thanks for your service. It's very much appreciated. And I'm trying really hard to get better saying that. I don't know if you noticed no, that's this. that's good. That... I don't take that well from people when they say it to me, and I need to get better at saying I appreciate others because I know what that involves. You've been retired for a while from active law enforcement. What are you doing now? Well, like I said earlier, I started my own consulting company when I left uh, uh, D.C., and I currently live in Nashville. I'm one of those guys chasing grandkids. And uh, so I have my own consulting uh, firm. But I also uh, I take uh, specific clients. I have a... uh, an area that I'm interested in that, and I, right now it's the technology. Uh, uh, obviously, we're moving into that digital era and just trying to uh, uh, trying to help agencies prepare for that. I also uh, uh, am a faculty member for FBI LIDA, 
It's uh, an alumni uh, group for the uh, FBI's program, the Law Enforcement Executive Development Program. And I teach an executive leadership uh, piece for them, uh, which I really enjoy. It gets me out, and I get to talk to sergeants and captains and chiefs. So it keeps me current, That and it also balances because I'm still very actively dealing with the major city chiefs and national sheriffs and those. But uh, a lot of it is now is just giving back, educating, and that's what I'm. Uh, one of the projects I'm doing currently with uh, Solibrite is uh, they just recently sponsored a, a white paper talked, uh, based the title Policing 2025, Envisioning a New Framework for Investigation. This talks about that transition from how we're currently doing investigations over into this new data-driven policing that we see. One of the lines I love is that, you know, the good news is that there's so much data out there. The bad news is that there's so much data out there. And what Celebrate is trying to do is educate agencies as they try to make that, that transition uh, to get their arms around this digital intelligence world they will live in so they can better help prepare their agencies and position them for success. Because going back to what we were talking about a little bit earlier, Jay, is in this crazy world that we now find ourselves, one of the big issues is we talk about is defunding. Uh, that's not going to stop people calling 911 and wanting service. There's still going to be robberies. There's still going to be murders. And how do those fewer number of officers within agencies, you know, investigate those crimes? How do they leverage, you know, when they pick up a cell phone or a laptop or surveillance video, how do they leverage that to turn that data or information into actionable intelligence? So that's what I've been doing lately is, is helping Celebrite and a number of other companies get out there and talk about, uh, and helping chiefs and executives prepare their agencies to make that transition. And sometimes they do it without having a strategy in place, which, you know, that, that we, we help them do. But that's, that's basically what I'm doing now and, uh, uh, enjoying it and, and feel like I'm giving back to a great, great profession that, uh, I would not have had any of the success that I've had if it wasn't for being a part of this great thing called the law enforcement family. And it's been a great profession for me as well. As a matter of fact, I, I got hurt and retired young, and I missed it. It was a big, a big sudden shock to, to be out of that. But going back, I, I heard you talking about digital intelligence and all this information. I've watched a lot of these shows, like an investigation discovery channel with my wife. She's fascinated by these. <laughs> and I sit there and I think to myself, man, I wish we had some of the tools they have nowadays. Because when I started policing, we didn't have DNA. We didn't have these things called cell phones where you can track them and ping and see where they were and, and see who the last person you talked to. We didn't have any stuff. It was, I hate to say it this way because it makes me sound like an ancient old geezer, it was good old-fashioned <laughs> police work, which was you get out in the community, people know you, and you talk to them. That was it. Yeah. Well, and I, you know, Jay, I think that's the balance of new executives. If I was back, and I tell this to chiefs and I, executives, that's the challenge they have is balancing this new technology because now when we were cops, you got out of your car, you, you went and knocked on a few doors to find out who lives at, you know, 105 Main Street. Now you don't have to get out of your car. You can, on your in-car computer, I can Google that. I can go on the Internet to find out who paid the last utility bill. I used to love it when the detectives would call and say, hey, we're going to make a raid on this house. Uh, can you get out and walk around? And, and boy, you really felt like you were... Now, they don't have to do that. Again, you go to Google Earth, and you can get a complete picture of the area. So there's that balance, because I think law enforcement is still a contact sport. you got to get out. you got to shake hands. you got to meet people. you got to develop relationships. And so that's that challenge. And I think that 
what we're trying to do through this, this effort with, with Celebrate with this this new uh, uh, the, this new white paper, this the policing 2025 is already starting to look down the road. You know, and that's what I, I say in my class. I think what all great leaders do, they're always looking at the horizon. What's coming at us? Are, have I prepared my police officers, my agencies, this great profession for what's coming at us? Not the day-to-day stuff, because you got great people like when you were a sergeant and, the, you know, captains and all. you got guys and ladies that are handling that day-to-day operation. What great leaders do, they're always looking at the horizon. So that's why I was interested in, in helping out and promoting this this white paper, because it basically is soup to nuts from, you know, basic overall observations of what, you know, you, we're seeing in this digital world we live in, all the way to ha- basically a roadmap and some guidance on how to help you get their agencies. Because let me tell you, basically every crime, I don't care if it's a car theft or a terrorist attack, there is some digital intelligence involved. There is a, a, there, there's a phone, there's a computer, there's a drone, there's a thumb drive. And if you can't take that immediately and take that information, what how I say is take that information out and make it timely, reliable, and actionable intel, then you're behind the curve. And uh, you're right. I sometimes I catch myself, even though I'm still in the business of, of doing this, Jay. I think, boy, what could I have done as not only a police officer or a detective, but as a police chief, if I would have had this technology and, and all this, yeah. and all these smart kids that are coming into our great profession. So that's even better. That's what I'm really excited about. That's something. For example, the body camera. I at first I was like, man, there's no way you could do the job without it. Now I started thinking and watching. I wished we had that when I was policing in Baltimore. Because the, the rule of thumb was this. If you arrested someone with drugs and a gun who was a dealer on the street, the very first thing the defense attorney said was, you make a complaint against the officer for discourtesy and excessive force. And we had no evidence to back up what we did, other than our word. Yeah. So, and, yeah. Uh, so that what they do is they use it as a, a, a plea bargain tool. Nowadays, I see these videos these body cam videos, and I'll be honest with you, I can't watch a lot of them. The ones that involve force and shootings and all that stuff, I don't watch yeah. them because it brings up a lot of bad reactions. You would think that, and I noticed some departments getting more proactive about saying, hey, we're going to break down this video play by play, almost like the NFL. Yeah. Well, you know, and, and that, that's a great point. I heard a guy say, I wish it was my line, but I heard a guy the other day said, you know, here the NFL, just for an interception, they stopped. They look at the video. They'll take 10 minutes. But in a police shooting, within seconds, people have formed opinions. They have taken action. They've, we've seen recently they've went to the streets. They've started destroying property. You know, I can go on and on and on. And we don't have that same advantage. And that's why I think, again, courage, uh, uh, as I say to, to these new leaders out there, you have to have the courage to lead. This is Law Enforcement Day Show. Don't go anywhere. We'll be right back. Want to fly somewhere? Looking for cheap flights or cheap tickets? Then call. That's right. Call the low-cost airline travel hotline now for prices so low, we can't publish them anywhere. Low-cost airlines has all kinds of cheap travel deals. Fly domestically and save up to 75%. You can even fly internationally and save even more. 
Yes, fly anywhere in the world and save a lot of money on your plane tickets. We'll even save you money with cheap travel deals on hotels, rental cars, even complete travel packages. So don't book your tickets until you call us first for the absolute cheapest prices on U.S. and international airline tickets and hotels. Call right now for prices so low they can't be published. Travel experts are here 24-7 to help. 800-451-8603 800-451-8603 800-451-8603 That's 800-451-8603 Return conversation with Louis Kios on the Law Enforcement Today show. Before we're into break, Louis, we started talking very quickly about Actually, a couple topics all weaved into one. Body cam videos and that so many chiefs and sheriffs or whatever we're going to and city hall are afraid. They lack the courage to show the video and say, no, before you riot, this is what occurred. And this is why the officer is right. And I think they need to do a lot more of that. Yeah. No, I agree 100%. I uh, I, I say to these new leaders that uh, uh, that are going to end up being chiefs and superintendents, and I say what I see in the current uh, environment is, the, in some cases, the lack of courage to lead. Sometimes you have to get out in front and say, that's not correct. That That's not true. You know, it may not feel good for people to hear that, but this is not what happened. This is what's happened. These are the, like you said earlier, these are all the facts that resulted in this end result, maybe very negative. Maybe somebody did get killed. Maybe, but again, going back to the video part, again, we're making 70 million calls for service. A lot of those are videotaped and you don't see all the quality stuff that officers are doing, being able to respond to calls, de-escalating violent situations, putting people under arrest, enforcing the laws. It's happening every day. It's happening while we're on this radio show. And won't get any TV coverage this evening. You have one officer that does something uh, misguided, does something that uh, that they should be punished for, maybe fired for, whatever. But it will get, you know, that's what you'll hear this evening. And that's what concerns me is that we're allowing uh, this narrative to de- be developed where we don't have this trust for law enforcement. And most people can't tell you why they don't trust law enforcement because they, you know, or if they do, they say, well, I saw it on TV. And you say, no, there, there's a lot more to what we're doing besides what you're seeing on TV. Ultimately, it breaks down to this. People say, I don't trust law enforcement or I don't like them. I don't like cops because I heard from someone else who heard from someone else that their cousin went through this and I heard about it on, on the Internet. Uh, and quite often it's not true. Here's a perfect example. This is a couple of years ago. I saw a body cam video of a police officer in Baltimore. I have to give some kudos and shout outs to my old department and West Baltimore, and he was handling a call for a landlord dispute. The landlord wanted to throw the people out, and he's explaining to them, you can't do that, here's why, blah, 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 blah. All was well, and then you hear gunshots, and the officer hears a gunshot, takes off running, goes around the corner, and catches a guy who just murdered someone right in the middle of the street, and disarmed him, and arrested him without having to fire a shot. And people were aggravated because the officer used a bad curse word and i didn't see anybody lois from city hall from the mayor to the police commander police chief or or commanders saying hey here's why the officer said that language we're trained to do that to disarm them so we don't have to use force it's not pretty but that's the reality of why it's done yeah 
Well, and, and Jay, the majority of people, uh, if you go out and ask them, and I used to do community surveys, and boy, we just get glowing praise. But if you went out and knocked on that person's door and say, well, have you come in contact with the police officer? No. Well, you know, have you ever needed the police officer? No. Well, how did you come up with this? Well, this is what I saw on TV or, you know, the, the last police officer I saw, it looked like my grandson. And, you know, I, I love my grandson. So there's a lot of things that go into this image of, of, of policing. But at, really, at the end of the day, you, you have to look at we're the most visible part of government. So when people lash out, who else are you going to lash out at? It's going to be the police. I remember as a police chief, I would get calls because uh, the lights were out in the, in the neighborhood. Mm-hmm. Well, that didn't come under the police, but they didn't know anybody else to call. They could call 911, or they would hear me at a community meeting. I'd give out my, my office number, and they would call me. Uh, and again, it was about building that trust, building those relationships before bad stuff happened, where I could get out in front and people knew me as the police chief. They knew that I was going to follow up on what they needed to do. And there's a lot of great ones out there that have done a great job. I mean, Carmen Best up in Seattle, terrible situation she found herself in. But I thought, you know, at at the end of the day, she did everything she could do as an executive leader until she got to the point and she made a personal decision to leave. You got James Craig up in Detroit, who has been very vocal. They're both phenomenal. Yeah, I mean, uh, you've got, uh, I tell you somebody else I, uh, that I think is, 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 is a leader very uh, ahead of his time in this profession is David Brown up in Chicago. If mm-hmm. you saw his news conference when he was down in Dallas when his officers got shot, and he used the news conference as an opportunity to say, you're giving us too much. We can't be everything. And if I, your listeners, if you have a chance, go to YouTube, listen to, go look at what Dave was saying there. And I tell you what, that's what that takes courage to get in front of a, a, a national, international news conference. And not, you know, because he had already talked about the five officers who had been killed during the, the tragic uh, uh, event. But he used it as a time to say, this is what's happening. I know this isn't what you want to hear, but we, we don't have control over teen pregnancy. We don't have control over uh, drug use. We don't have control over that. You, yeah, you just keep giving us too much. Uh, Art Acevedo down in Houston, who's very active in the community. Uh, so you've got all of these great leaders that are out there that I, I would encourage other executives, even the young executives, the captains, the lieutenants, the sergeants, who I think are the very most important piece of, of in law enforcement. Hey, there, there are people out there doing good work, but there are other people that sometimes just lack that courage to, to get out there and get in front of these situations. And as we say out on the street, to tell it like it is and, and help develop that trust. Two things. David Brown, I remember him being on video. I don't remember what the occasion was. And he took, this is when he was in Dallas, and he said basically, and I'm paraphrasing, if you don't like the job the police are doing, come on down, get hired, go through training, and, and you come down here and show us. We, we're hiring. We, we need help. We need people. Oh, yeah. And which yeah. brings me to a point I have a lot of concern about because, look, when I was a young police, uh, I thought I was pretty ahead of the game. And I was trained, I was very fortunate. I was trained by a lot of combat, Vietnam combat veterans, and we also had a few commanders and command staff that were Korean War veterans, and they're phenomenal police. They were great about what we now call community policing, and they taught me the right way from the very beginning. And now I see young men and women coming on the job. They speak multiple languages. They have college degrees. A lot of them are military veterans, and and these are the best of the best, and I have a big concern, a big worry, because I'll be honest, I'm selfish. 
I want the best available. If I got to call 911 for a physical emergency, I know the police would be there first. I want the best to show up at my house. I do. But when you have so many options, you've got so much experience, so much education, if the environment's not right, how do we keep them? Yeah. Well, and that's that's my concern, too. I think the long-term, long-term effect of what you're seeing on TV now or what uh, a potential future law enforcement candidates, if you will, is why would I join law enforcement? When you don't see the leaders coming out, supporting them, talking about, hey, these are the great things that we're, we are doing, why would I join that profession? Why, you know, and, and I know we keep talking about trust, and I, I believe, yes, there are certain segments of our community that we really need to focus in on and get in there and, and develop that trust, meaningful trust, not just, you know, bicycle rodeos and national night out, where you have consistent contact and interaction and developing personal relationships. But what, what I'm concerned about, Jay, is the vast majority of citizens in this country uh, I don't want to lose their trust. I don't want the law enforcement community to lose their trust because I've had people tell me when I see police officers that are being spit on, uh, you saw up in New York where the, the, uh, the people were pouring water over their heads when they were walking there, you just kind of walked away. If the police can't protect themselves, how are they going to protect me? I don't trust that they can do their job. And I would hate for us to get to a point where the majority of our citizens, because what you see, happening out here in in these cities where they're burning stuff down that's a very small segment of our overall population of our 357 it's million a, people we have in this great country it's a uh, very very small number and we're going to talk more about building trust uh, what you suggest what you see what you are hearing this is the law enforcement today show the place to be online is our facebook page do a search on facebook for law enforcement today radio show you'll get access to unique news articles editorials and so much more that's law enforcement today radio show on facebook we're going to take a short break we'll be right back remember in the beginning when you first started to build a life for you and your family you never imagined it would come to this. Instead of living your dreams, you're living with debt. In fact, it's smothering you. Now there's a way you can take back control with one simple call. If you owe $10,000 or more in credit card debt, you qualify to receive a free, no-obligation consultation on how to get rid of that debt for good. Call the Debt Helpline now. We work on your behalf to reduce your debt. We specialize in credit cards, retail store cards, and medical bills. One simple call is all it takes to get the ball rolling to a debt-free life. Stop living with debt and start living your dreams. Call the Debt Helpline now. 800-709-4389-800-709-4389-800-709-4389. That's 800-709-4389. Back to our conversation with Louis Kios. Louis is, man, I'll just put it this way. I thought I had a lot of experience in law enforcement. He's got like three times as much as me. I'll put it there. Federal, state, chief, local, you name it. He he knows it. Before we went to the break, we, we started talking a lot about trust uh, in the community. And we're not going to have time, I believe, to talk about the police officers and sergeants on the street trusting the command staff. So maybe there'll be a discussion for another day. But back when I was a rookie, and I know this is back in the day, I had to walk to school one mile each way, uphill, snow in the snow. 
we used to carry what we call a lookout book in our back pocket. And in that book, one of the things it had was numbers for all the different agencies in the city because we were a full service agency. If someone called said they they had their basement was flooded with water, they'd call 911 and we'd show up, the police, and we'd give them a phone number, who to call, who to call in the water yeah. department, who to call over yeah. here. And because he didn't have that information readily available. And I think that was part of the trust. Another part of the trust that we had when I was given a post, uh, it was a big honor to become a post officer where we worked because that meant you had the same three people working the same area every day except when they were off. And people got to know you and you got to know them and you became responsible for the crime on that post. But one of the problems is, in my opinion, you start defunding, you got less officers covering more area, handling more calls, and they all become unfamiliar to the community. No, no, I, no, I agree. And, and going back to what you were saying, Jay, about trust, uh, there's several pieces of that that, that I'm concerned about. And, and when I say concerned, not necessarily in a negative way, but I, I'm concerned because I love this great profession. Again, it's been good to me. It's been good to my family. I still think it's the best profession, the greatest profession in the world. You can ask any of my students when I talk to them. I tell them that in the first two minutes uh, of the class. But when, when in trust in the sense of when you're looking at bringing in new people, let's just let's don't even look at the new people, people that you have, the ones that show up every day at the beginning of, of, of their tour of duty, and they show up every day, they go out, and if they don't trust that their commanders, that their department, that the administration supports them, and they don't see it. Then, again, I've been there. I know there's a lot of meetings, a lot of conversations that go on behind the scenes. But if they don't get that, when this is all said and done, and we go back to some, whatever the new normal is, these law enforcement officers aren't going to forget that. So when you're starting to try to, to, to implement all of this change that we're talking about, and I think there are some need for change. Don't get me wrong. Uh, I, I believe that we always should be in a state of ch- change. But you're going to ask these same people, trust me. I know you don't understand all of this, but I need you to trust me and get on board and let's implement whatever it is initiative you're talking. And that may be a, a hard uh, pill to swallow for some of these these officers. So you have that internal trust that you're, we I think we've kind of overlooked because we're so focused on this very small group of people that are burning down things and are demanding things that we're so focused on. And also the the majority of citizens in our community are looking to us and saying, can I trust you to do your job? If I call you 911, is somebody going to show up? And we've seen that around the country. I had a, a friend of mine in, in, in uh, Washington call me the other day. He said he called 911. There was, and, and this is not unusual in D.C., he said he had somebody running down the street, naked screaming, uh, obviously had some mental issues. He said the phone rang 100 times on 911 before somebody actually answered it. If the people don't trust it, they're going to be safe in their community. One of the things that I've, I've learned through my business, and when I look back on law enforcement, we do sell a product in law enforcement. It's called peace of mind. Mm-hmm. That, hey, I can go out and walk my dog, and I'm not going to be confronted, or if I am confronted or something happens, I can call the police and they'll respond. I think we're slowly but surely chipping away at that peace of mind, that product, and people aren't buying it anymore. And I'd, I'd hate to see that happen to us. So there's that trust. And, and again, I, I think that that's where it takes courage for people to, to uh, leaders to get up there and say things. I, when, when we have our citizens start 
thinking that we can't protect them. Uh, one of the things that, that Louis Free did, uh, Director Free, he started making all new uh, agents class go to the Holocaust Museum. And my understanding for it, I, I didn't, I, I wasn't there at the time, but my understanding was to, to basically emphasize this is what happens when the police and, and the people of authority step back and let the mob take over. When you just let a different narrative, you let laws change at the turn of a hat, you let history be destroyed, uh, and the police, and in some cases, if you know about the, 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 that whole uh, environment over there, in some cases, the police became part of the problem. Yeah. So the, the, what he was saying is, look, this is the important role we play in this society. And uh, there's no curriculum. I'm sure you know up in Baltimore, I know in Kansas City, uh, where they talk about, let's tell you the history of policing and the, and the important role that it plays in our society. We just assume that when we call 911 or we walk, my wife goes to the mall, they're going to be safe. If we don't think we're safe, and as you can tell by the, the reports about people that are getting guns and ammunition, that should be sending a message to us. People don't feel safe. And the, the, who's responsible for that feeling of being safe? No other than the police. Yeah. And it's uh, the beat we cop. need to be on top of that. And when I say beat cop or street cop, to me, that's one of the highest forms or terms of endearment I can use for someone. And now someone who's outside the profession, they may say, ah, oh, he's just a street cop. What's he know? And, and it's an insult from them. From other people, it's, it's a different story. Yeah, the Holocaust Museum is a great idea. Well, we had those same examples in, in the South, in Alabama, Birmingham, Selma, the civil rights movement. We had uh, horrible police departments. We had politicians. And all of them share, in my, my uneducated opinion, all of them share one common factor. They let politicians get involved too much. And that's a, a big conversation for another show. What do we start doing to try to repair that trust? Well, I, I think, again, it goes back to something you've hit on, Jay. I think uh, as, as leaders, we should do everything that we can to get our officers out of cars, into the communities, making those, the, those relationships. You said something very early on. I think one of the, the, the great experiences you had is being assigned to a post. You had, we called it a district. If you had an assigned district, I was responsible for that district. Anything that went on, uh, the burglaries, the robberies, the shootings, I felt personal about that. You know, I'm thinking, hey, wait a second. You know, I'm supposed to keep people in that district safe. So getting the officers out of, out of the car, and there's so many studies. There was a great one that was uh, done up in Flint, Michigan, where they, they assigned officers to the beat, and the citizens came back and voted in taxes to make sure that the officers could stay in there. I mean, it was, uh, it was a great study. I think your listeners have an opportunity at Flint, Michigan. Several years ago, they did a, a great, a great uh, program or a great study up there. But the, the point is, is that this still is about relationships. It's about getting out, them knowing the beat cop, not just knowing Jay Wiley, the, or Officer Wiley, but knowing Jay Wiley. He's out there. We know him. We, he's part of the community. Uh, what I tell our, our, uh, my students is, you know, credibility plus value equals trust. If you have credibility in, your, in the community, uh, you add value. They say, hey, when I call, you come, you solve a problem. Then that equals trust. They trust you. So when you do come in and say, I need your help, you have already paved the way for that. But to go in, if they don't, you don't have credibility, you don't add value to the relationship, 
then how could you possibly have trust? So I use a very, very simple formula. Credibility plus value equals trust. And we need to be promoting that to our young officers going out. And I think we should leverage all the resources. We've got great people in the community that, that want to help us. I've seen that through my time as a police chief in, in High Point, where we had people that said, I had guys that would come to me when I first got there saying, I don't like the police. And they turned out later on to be our, our biggest supporters because they saw that we would come in and we would actually solve problems. We would take action in their community to keep them safe. That was our product, peace of mind. And I don't care where you live in the city, you should have peace of mind that when my children go out to play in the playground, if it's a private playground or it's a public playground, they're going to be safe. When my wife goes to the mall, they're going to be safe. When my husband does whatever, he or she's going to be safe. Uh, my partner, same thing. So that's where I think we need to, very simple, we need to get back to, like you said earlier, basics. We get our people out of their cars get them out there. I think we need chiefs. We need executives to be seen on TV, not during crisis, but hey, let me tell you, uh, (laughs) I used to do a radio show in in North Carolina where a guy was Max Meeks. I'd get out there and I'd just talk about all the positive things that we were doing in High Point uh, because we were still throwing bad guys in jail. I still think bad guys need to go to jail. I agree. Before we leave, we're out of time. Where can people get more information about you and what you're doing? Well, right now, again, I tell you what we're, the, I'm kind of focusing on is is kind of talking about the, the future of policing. Where do we look? What does policing look like, especially in this digital world uh, in 2025? And I would really recommend that your listeners go to Celebrite.com, look at the resource, and there's a tab on their resource, and then white papers, and take a look. It's 13 pages of good information as your agencies are transitioning over there. I think it's everything, like I said, from basic observations to guidance. One of the, the three very quick We're going to cut you off. Lewis, thanks so much for being a guest on the show. Very much appreciated. Hey, man, be good. Thank you very much, Jay. I'd like to thank our guests so much for coming on the Law Enforcement Today show. Another great guest heading your way next week. Don't miss it. Until then, this is John J. Wiley. See ya.